Welcome to Training Unleashed, the show that will help you design and deliver training that's off the chain and will make a difference. Now, here's your host, Evan Hackle. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another exciting edition of Training Unleashed, uh, proudly in sponsor with the C-Suite Network, and uh, appreciate everyone being here. We're going to have an absolutely fantastic episode. You know, it's interesting because our topic is data, and normally you would say data. That sounds like a boring episode, but no, it is not going to be boring today. So our guest today is Dr. John Johnson. He is the founder and CEO of Edgeworth Economics and Edgeworth uh, analytics, and I'm going to go right to the first not boring question. I know you do work with the NFL Players Association. Tell us about that. We'd love to hear about uh, it. Well, well, thank you. It's great to be here. And uh, we have a, uh, a long relationship with the NFL Players Association, but what we've recently done is we actually helped them build a dashboard for COVID cases where we used data um, across all of the NFL locales where there are, are teams and we help them get a, da a dashboard up for their players uh, and for the broader community in every city where we can track cases. We update it on a sort of weekly basis. And it's just a, a pretty simple example of the kind of thing that we have been doing sort of different things with data during COVID simply to meet the needs of our clients. But uh, we've done lots of work on player injuries over the years. We actually quantified the effect of how much of a career was shortened potentially by extending to 18 games. So we've had some really interesting projects with them. Yeah, it does sound exciting. You've done much with helmets. We're really <laughs> off topic, but I know people would like to know. Uh, we haven't directly done anything with helmets for them. Uh, they haven't asked us to do that per se, but uh, they are, you know, player safety is a pretty huge issue for the union. And so we do often get requests about different types of issues they're dealing with. Yeah, that's very cool. So as you know, this is Training Unleashed. And what our listeners love to know is how they can utilize what you're talking about in the world of training. So maybe if you could share with us uh, how you see data taking place and the impact of using data to improve training within organizations. Yeah, look, I think that one of the, the big issues and sort of I come from this with two interesting approaches. So one is, obviously, I teach about data all the time. And so there's one part where I have to teach a subject that people don't really like. Um, but then the second part, which I think is sort of more directly relevant to your question is how can trainers actually use data to improve the quality of what they're offering and what they're kind of, you know, trying to learn from uh, the classes they get. And so what I would always suggest is, you know, we do a lot of things and we do training and whether it's at my own firm or we sort of go into work with different clients that potentially hire us, teach them data skills is we try to do different kinds of things that I wouldn't call them full fledged data assessments. And what I mean by this, you don't want to give people a test necessarily and say, Hey, did you learn your sort of data skills? That kind of, you take a group that's already terrified of data and you really scare them when you do that. But that doesn't mean you can't gain really meaningful insights sort of from data um, after particularly in sort of post training surveys, um, really going through, like when we teach our data analytics courses, we actually go through module by module with the group and we both collect data from them in sort of a survey. And then we actually walk through the survey with them and sort of also gather the qualitative information. Because I think one thing that people sometimes forget is data is a contextual thing. And of course you don't want to sort of rig the data. You don't want to sort of overly influence the data with people's uh, pure opinions. But at the same time, if you don't marry the data with what it's actually telling you from the people that are taking your classes, um, you can't really do anything useful with it. And so it's really important. The data is not a substitute for a lot of the other ways that we measure success. 
I think it's a compliment. And I think with that attitude, that really can help trainers to do a better job. You know, it, it's interesting because you talk about follow-up training and, and not follow-up training, follow-up surveying and understanding what people think about the training. And I, you know, I think it's good to get feedback, but I always think the most important data is the results. What does it create? What does it do? Um, and how, do, how would you recommend people in the training world interact with the team meaning the other departments to get data that can actually track success of the training itself. Yeah, look, I think one of the real critical insights, and you've actually exactly tipped it off, is that of course at the end of the day, um, the training is only as effective as the outcomes that get improved. But in order to do that, that means before you even start to plan your training programs, you need to know what is the point, what is the purpose, what is the process you are trying to improve within the company. With respect to kind of finding multiple data sets, I mean, one of the things that people get frustrated and scared with data when they start to explore is that data doesn't come ready to use. And there isn't some magic repository in a company where one particular department or stakeholder has all the data. So actually getting people talking to each other about what data sets they use, as much as that might sound at first blush, like, well, isn't that kind of either obvious or what a boring conversation. We've actually had training sessions devolve into facilitation sessions where we're literally sort of putting people in touch from different parts of the company that just didn't realize they had the data uh, they could use for their purposes. So, but it all goes back to, you know, really thinking hard when you're sort of crafting your training. Well, what are you trying to, what is the outcome you want? And if you know what outcome you want, then you can think hard about, well, what data will help me know if I improved or didn't along that dimension? Yeah. And a lot of times I think it's important, I guess, before you start a project to actually understand the data that you have access to, to measure results. It's absolutely critical. I think I cannot underestimate enough for any data project in training, in any context I do, any consulting. We always talk about upfront, what is the question you're trying to answer? What is the outcome you're trying to influence? What is the data you have available before? You know, the, the simple world of before and after comparisons is really a pretty powerful idea. And that's a great starting point. You know, sometimes people worry about, you know, causation. Well, before we jump to causation, why don't we just sort of see, well, what do we have to even begin to answer the question in a simple descriptive way? And so you can be thoughtful about data analysis, but a big part of it is thinking in advance. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? And what are you trying to measure? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I want to share with you a real life data story. Okay. And maybe you could give insight to the person. Um, so I was working with a client, they were a restaurant chain, they had about 1400 restaurants across the country, so they're a big restaurant change. And we were, we were looking at literally same store sales. How did their restaurants perform one year to the next year? And we looked at compliance of training, what percentage of their employees were at the 80% completion of the prescribed training versus those that were at 50% or less. So we took sort of that top 20% and we compared it to the bottom 50%. Okay. And we noticed a 4% delta between the two, uh, the two companies. And a 4% delta in terms of sales uh, was the equivalent of somewhere around $85,000. And then when you figure and you take out, you know, your variable costs, your food costs and other things, there was about a $50,000 value per location 
from the training just being the difference between 50% and 80%, which I thought you know, was really profound, especially because typically if you do good work and you have good MPS scores, and which we also improve, that it's not just gonna be the one-time effect, it's gonna compound year after year. And what this person said to me, and I think this is an industry issue in training, is if I present this information, I'm gonna get shot because the marketing person wants to take credit for this increase. The merchandising and the food people want to take credit for this increase. Everyone's going to want to take credit for the increase. And they're going to laugh if the training department wants to take credit for this increase in, in sales. Okay. And I'd love to get your thought and, and advice you could give to people listening on how training can kind of stand up for itself. Yeah, so that, that's a great question, and I, I love the scenario. And so I think what you're, you're getting at is, first of all, um, you know, I've had this in both directions. I've had it when the results are too good or when the results are too bad. <laughs> and yeah. in either way, right, when the results are, are too good, other people want to take credit. And when the results are too bad, people don't want to believe them. And they say, no, your numbers must be wrong. And so I think that the way that I would approach a problem like that, if I were advising sort of your client directly, I would say, well, look, um, let's sort of do a series of things where we can try, first of all, statistically, maybe we can tease out a little bit more or rule out some of these other things as sort of part of the causation for what is driving this change, right? That's a great example of correlation versus causation, where they're going to be subject to an attack that, well, it's not the training, it's these other things. What we do, one simple thing we do, especially if you have a lot of stores, a lot of restaurants, a lot of variation there, is you could probably do quite a, quite a bit of comparisons where you can sort of show places that really look very, very similar. What I would say is a series of pairwise comparisons of places that look similar along many, many dimensions, except for the training percentages. And that might be one way to start to break it down because it's not just one big average aggregate effect. But when you get under the surface of the data, you can actually start to isolate more carefully. Here are places where the training, really there were big differences. Here are places where maybe you can isolate certain marketing programs and things like that. You could also sort of bring your other stakeholders along um, if you're presenting that the training is one piece of it, but marketing is a piece of it as well, well, people like to share good news. So maybe there's a way that you could sort of look at the data and find some things that would sort of point that out. But I think what it would require is, is sort of the next layer of sort of diving into the data to try to get at sort of that causal relationship. Well, you bring a good point because what this guy said was, well, the people that do training well are also the people that tend to upgrade their stores. And, you know, they tend to hire better, they, you know, the, the, the same attributes that make someone believe in training are the attributes that makes that make somebody uh, do all these other good things. So I really like your idea of creating a subset of, of stores that are very much like mirrors of each other. Yeah. So you can really isolate. That's an excellent, excellent point. I mean, they call that, there's a technique, it's called a, a, what is essentially a natural experiment, but it's basically a form of pairing where you're just trying to control for as many other things by getting places that are as close as possible. And the nice about the story you told is you've got a fairly large organization with lots and lots of different restaurants. So you should be able to sort of pick ones that really do look similar on a number of observable characteristics, which would sort of go towards answering that question. Yeah, that's great. I wish I had talked to you back then. <laughs> <laughs> Always happy to help <laughs> after the fact. <laughs> after the fact. Um, so perhaps you could share in the training world maybe some real life uh, case stories. You, you, don't, you know, I didn't mention the company name I was working with. 
you know, I don't think that that's required, but maybe, you know, sort of share what you found and what you, what the analytics showed and what you did and the improvement that happened. Yeah, look, I, I find that like a lot of our, our training work for sort of clients, a lot of times we are sort of brought into situations where, um, first of all, the one overlay is we're often brought into situations with sort of law departments because we do a lot of work with sort of in a, you know, a, a legal environment as well, where people just need to understand basic things like um, how do statistical analyses end up um, in legal disputes. And so a lot of times we're training lawyers and sort of how do you actually understand these statistical concepts, but we've also do a lot of HR analytics training. And so one of the things that's interesting there, I'd say our experience with the sort of the, the different times we've done these courses is, you know, HR people sort of by their initial nature really aren't often data people, they are people people. And yet they have sitting on mountains and mountains of data. And in fact, their management is expecting them more and more to actually understand and use data. So sort of, I think some of the key things that we've learned from our training is again, first making it clear that data is not a substitute for the people skills and the other skills they've learned in, throughout their career, but it does provide a rigorous way to be sort of more, um, more thoughtful about that. The other thing that I often find when we're doing sort of our training courses is that sometimes people think that what we're going to do up front is teach them to do all the data analytics themselves. And that, that's a pretty impossible um, task to ask for sort of a training class. But a lot more of what we do is sort of exactly the kind of thing I think our most successful training and outcomes have been ones where we have facilitated people within a company starting to actually talk to each other about their data to understand, hey, here's how we link these data sets to start to get at the answers for the things that we want to, you know, I didn't realize you keep a data set on retention of employees. That would be really useful for me in this context. And so my biggest sort of insight from our training experiences has generally been along the lines of improving communications within a firm about what data sets they have. And of course, that's admittedly a little hard to measure ex post, like, but that's sort of been our general experience has been sort of that has been the, the most insightful piece of at least our data analytics training. Well, I think it's, uh, I think it's very wise advice because when people agree on the data, then it's much easier to measure and, and much more comprehensive. Um, it's always the case you have to think about, you know, because data doesn't come ready to use. I mean, again, I think that's the hardest part for people that want to do data, any kind of data analytics in the training context and in a whole host of other contexts that I've worked in. They really don't, you know, what do you mean? I, I know how to use Excel a little bit. Isn't that good enough? Well, the data is not ready. <laughs> There's so many things. And so sort of trying to make it accessible and that really that upfront investment in terms of thinking about what you want to really get at is the whole key and that part involves what's the data set we're so glad you're listening to this episode of training unleashed brought to you by tortal training the difference between tortal training and other online training companies is we're primarily a training company with technology rather than a technology company that does training want to find out more just go to tortle.net. That's T-O-R-T-A-L, tortle.net. Talk a little bit. You know, one of my pet peeves in measurement is people tend to focus on sales. And there are so many other impactful things, margin, uh, mistakes that, co that, cost, that cost money. Um, and people tend to, like, tend to gravitate towards what are gross sales. Right. Um, 
So I know for a fact, and you know, as an example, uh, in 2008, when the economy went, went you know, really downhill, uh, the company I was with, we worked really hard to raise margin. And we were able to raise margin enough to eat a 30% drop in revenue and have the same gross margin dollars by being better merchants and better training salespeople on how, on how to sell product that led towards the higher margin results. Um, how do you look at, I don't know if you could maybe just respond to what I said. Yeah, no, look, I think you're absolutely right. When I talk to sort of executives at companies, what do they care about? Yes, they do focus on revenues, but it's not single-mindedly on revenues. It's revenues, sales, profits, margins, costs. You know, it's, yeah. the, it's sort of like, a, it's all of them, right? And so if you have analytics that are only talking to one of those baselines, but not the others, you're missing the point and you're missing the story. And you may actually be missing places where you can be effective in terms of both where the training can be targeted and how to measure an outcome that someone cares about. Again, because one of the ways I sort of always try to convey anything about training is part of the purpose of training is how do you link it to the tangible outcomes that you're trying to achieve, whatever they are. And it can be a direct link or it can be more of an indirect link. So direct link is suddenly I give training at a, at a location and I see um, everybody has learned how to do the work more efficiently and the costs go down. But there could also be something more where just sort of safety principles or other things that sort of start to go into play and over time you see improvement. Um, but either way, I think you're absolutely right that a sort of narrow-minded focus is also sort of prone to that sort of multiple, you know, multiple different causation issues again, right? I mean, if you're in 2008, you're talking about the economy, look at right now in the, in the midst of COVID, nobody really should be measuring the effectiveness of training purely by sales in this environment. That would be crazy given all of the sort of um, economic headwinds that we're facing right now. So I completely agree with you. I think once again, back to targeting what are the outcomes that matter for the particular company and what are the outcomes that you really want to affect with the specific training you're offering. Cool. I'd like to chat a little bit about your book. You got a great title. Uh, I'm very dyslexic, so we'll see if I get this right. You correct me if I don't. Uh, every data, the, misin the misinformation hidden in the little data you consume every day um, is your book. And maybe just talk a little bit about, you know, I, I think it'd be great everyone read your book, but maybe, you know, what, what your book's about and a, a little taste for the audience. Sure. So look, my book was another uh, effort to kind of continue what I consider sort of my a big part of my life's work, which is just making data more accessible to people. And so um, I do a lot of different things. And, you know, one of the things has been is in training capacity. One has been as a data analyst. One has been as an expert witness. And the book is sort of more of my effort to sort of bring this to a, a more general audience. And so what the book is about is thinking about data that you encounter every day and all of the different ways that there are sort of tricks um, misleading information that can really fool you. So some of my favorite examples, one of them is that, you know, um, we take on the headlines because headlines is a place where there's just tons of poor, poorly framed or misunderstood data. Um, living near a Starbucks will raise your home values, headline claims. Um, and that's interesting, but of course, what if it's the case that the Starbucks are strategically placed in the highest priced neighborhoods um, because that's where people will spend $5 on a latte, right? But that doesn't mean that just because my home prices are high by the Starbucks that that's the causation. And so throughout the book, we use lots of different examples from marketing, from politics, from history, 
um, and really just give different examples of how averages can lie. Um, we sort of have one anecdote, one so story about. Yes, it's definitely. And so it's, it's actually, I like to say it makes data fun, but it's really, yeah. really interesting to sort of um, go through and just sort of see the different topics. And we just collected tons, my co-author and I just collected tons and tons of popular examples. And so it reads pretty quickly because it really does move from a topic to topic fairly, uh, fairly that, quickly. That sounds fantastic. Okay, I'm about to ask you my most controversial question of the day. Okay. The big rage although I think it's dampened a little bit, is net promoter score. What's your opinion on net promoter score? Okay, <laughs> I guess it is the big. Um, I, I think basically um, that anytime you're sort of this, people are kind of so wrapped up in sort of one particular metric as sort of being the right metric, as sort of being sophisticated enough to capture all that we care about, that's a little bit of a problem, right? Uh, my experiences with net promoter score have been, um, you know, I, I've seen it in sort of different consulting engagements that I've worked on. And I, I kind of usually talk to clients about the fact that I, I think that it's a little bit overrated, quite frankly, and that, you know, it's far better to really understand, well, again, what do we really want to measure that's going to be the most effective for the business? Um, and how do we go about that, at least in different ways to confirm that that's not um, the only metric or that if it's giving you sort of some indications that you actually have confirmed it in other ways. So it's just sort of more of my general, I try to be skeptical of things that sort of, I mean, I'm skeptical by nature anyway, because I'm a data guy, but I try to be sort of skeptical, but again, doesn't mean it sort of throw out all the information, but I just, I like to embed things in context and that's kind of my broader lesson as usual. So I am net promoter certified. So I take offense. I'm just joking. I do not, <laughs> I do not take offense. And what I would say is, I think it's a great number. It's just not enough. Right. Because it tells you a story, but it doesn't tell you the details. It doesn't tell you the underlying causation of the things you need to improve to improve that number. It's, all, it's, almost, it's almost like a result. So, you know, when you look at sales, for instance, in a business, sales is a, is a, is a, is a great number. Everyone looks at sales, but it is not a leading indicator. Um, it is a result. And I think net promoter score, which is a leading indicator of the future trend of the business as you watch the trend of your net promoter score, but there are a lot of elements that build into that. And, and if you're good, you can maybe catch those before you see real deterioration in your NPS score. Well, I think the causation issue is always critical, right? People are looking for what does this one metric mean for me? Um, but again, you've got to dig a lot deeper to make sense of that. And I think that's absolutely the right point is that it doesn't, I mean, I always try to get as much as I can out of the data, but I also understand what are the limitations of the data. And so I'm, I'm always woe to throw away anything. Like I think all information is useful or should be discounted when I realize it's not useful, but at least you want to start with, okay, what can I learn, but what can I not learn? And I do like your lagging leading um, yeah. phrasing there, because I think that's a really important point is, you know, is it, um, is it ahead of the curve or behind the curve? Am I, you know, am I, how am I sort of driving this? I think it's a critical piece to really understanding what the actionable intelligence is from something like that. So um, we're starting to run out of time, but, you know, this, this, we're, you know, we're on C-Suite TV, we're on C-Suite Radio, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're, we're everywhere podcasts can be found. And sometimes your information is there and sometimes your information is not. So for our audio audience or our TV audience, could you share your websites and how people could reach you if they would like to reach you? 
Yeah, so our websites are edgeworthaconomics.com and edgeworthanalytics.com. Um, economics is our economic consulting firm. That's where we generally do our litigation-related work. And then our analytics firm, which is where we do all of our training, as well as all of our other kinds of just general data consulting, that's the analytics firm. So those are the best place to get there. And uh, you can find me there. My bio is on both pages. And I actually answer my phone and respond to my email. So feel free to reach out. <laughs> So I, I spent a little time on your website, and I want to say it's refreshing to see a person who talks about data also talk about training, because normally you don't see the two coexist. So for my listeners, I would highly recommend that if you want to be able to dig into data better and you know look at everyone in training is looking to how to understand their ROI and how to justify that investment. Uh, and most people get frustrated because they can't. And our, our guest uh, can help you do that. So uh, please check him out. Um, you know, it's interesting, you're a doctor, so I call you Dr. Johnson, Dr. John Johnson, I call you John. So I, go, I usually go with John, but that's, yeah. my dad calls me doctor. <laughs> we'll go with John. John, we ask everyone on the show, if you have one tip, what would that one tip be? And what would your one tip be? So look, my one tip would always be that, you know, since I'm talking about data, that data is only as good as both the quality and the context you put it in. So people think that doing sophisticated data analyses necessarily require you to be a master statistician. But in fact, I always tell people that, you know, you've got to mesh the data with intuition of what you know about your business, what you know about training. Um, that's what you have to do. And so that's my, uh, my tip is that sort of think of the data as a complement to your broader skill set, not as a substitute. That's excellent. Great advice. Appreciate having you as a guest. I want to appreciate my audience for being here and listening. I also want to appreciate the C-Suite, uh, which is just an absolutely fabulous organization of thought leaders. Uh, and everyone, again, uh, John, thank you. And, and listeners, thank you. Everyone have a fantastic day. Thank you. This has been Training Unleashed, but it doesn't stop here. Just go to trainingunleashed.net to subscribe to the show. That way, you'll never miss an episode, and you'll be well on your way to delivering training programs that are off the chain. We'll talk to you next time on Training Unleashed. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.